Corinthians, and we've entitled this series Scandalous, an inside look at the Corinthian church. And as we go through uh, each one of the principles and the passages of scripture that God uh, allowed the Apostle Paul to pen in this very important letter, I pray that you have your hearts and minds focused in on what Paul was saying to the Corinthian church, but also by way of the Holy Spirit, what he's saying to the church here today. What he's saying to Elizabeth Baptist Church, what he's saying to you who are part of the body of Christ. Each one of us, me, you need to take God's word, hide it in our hearts and allow it to be that thing that keeps us focused on the right track. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of First Corinthians, chapter number nine. And as you know, we've studied and we've delved into this and we know that the Corinthian church was a divided church. The Corinthian church had some some issues that were going on that Paul had heard about and Paul wrote to address those issues. And now as we get into the backside of this first letter, Paul began to answer some of the questions that the Corinthian church had of him regarding some stuff that they were dealing with within the church. First, remember, first of all, he dealt with problems that he had heard about serious, significant problems. Because the church was not growing. The church had sexual immorality. The church was birthed in the Corinthian culture, which was a, a, a culture that was awash in sexuality, sexuality, sexual immorality. So now Paul writes and he encourages them to do what's right as it relates to that issue. But he flows into this ninth chapter here. And into this ninth chapter, he, he begins to deal with another situation that he was asked about and he began to talk about it. Let's go to, to, to the ninth chapter, verse number one of first Corinthians chapter number nine. Are y'all with me there? The text says this, am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus, our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Verse number two says this, even if others think I'm not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. So let's park there just for a second. Let's see if we can kind of bring some context to why Paul is writing this uh, in the first part of this ninth chapter. What we see here, uh, Paul, there was some issues as it relates to this Corinthian church about uh, uh, pastoral support. And, and, And this issue came to head here as Paul begins to talk about it here in this ninth chapter. Paul was a true minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, he was an apostle, we know, and he was one of the few who had actually seen the Lord Jesus, the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ when he was on the road to Damascus. Y'all remember how he was saved on the road to Damascus? Paul was going to persecute the church, but Jesus stepped in and transformed his life. How many of y'all know that when Jesus comes into your life, there will be a difference? When you truly understand salvation, when you truly understand what it means to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will not remain the same. People who've known you all your life, people who are in relationship with you, when you truly accept Christ and begin to follow him, they will know there's something different about you. And so, so Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Now, but again, there were, there were some in the Corinthian church, many in the Corinthian church who did not believe in Paul's ministry. There were many in the Corinthian church who were, who were downing Paul. They, they, they had set out to get rid of Paul 
and to destroy his ministry. So Paul, knowing that that was the case, begins to write here in this ninth chapter to address this issue. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the, the I guess the uncanny, or here's the, well, not, not even uncanny, here's the, the tripping part about it. Can I put it that way? Any of you 1970 folks, y'all know, y'all know what it means when somebody's tripping? Are y'all in a relationship with people who trip every now and then? Andre, you know what I'm talking about? Here, the Corinthian church, out of all the people, Paul is going to say something here, and, and he's going to walk down the line and, and let us know that sometimes the people who you help the most, sometimes the people who, who you go to bat for, the people who you put your name on the line for, those are the very ones who will doubt your integrity and will turn against you. Can I get a witness? Watch this. Go to this third verse. I got to keep reading. So Paul had done a lot of good in helping establish the Corinthian church. Look at this third uh, verse of this, uh, of this ninth chapter. Right? He, said, he said, this is my answer to those who question my authority. Because there were some in the Corinthian church who were questioning Paul's right to walk in apostolic authority over the church. Now remind, watch, watch what Paul does here. Watch this. Look at verse number four. Let's read. He says, don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Verse five, uh, don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife with us as the other disciples and the Lord's brothers do and as Peter does? Verse number six, or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? Keep reading. What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk. Keep reading. Am I expressing merely a human opinion or does the law say the same thing? Verse nine, let's go. For the law of Moses says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Come on, let's read. Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Can we stop right there for a second? Let's start to look at a little bit more in depth what what is happening. Then you outline, we talk about the question concerning the right of a minister. Now, again, uh, a minister, uh, Paul has had a call on his life. And there are many of you all that are sitting out there right now have a call on your heart, on your life. Your calling may not be in the sense of a five-fold ministry calling, but every one of us in here has a calling on our life. Every one of us in here have been called, I know for sure, to the ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? That means that every one of us who are born-again believers have been assigned to help lead someone else to Christ. Every one of us in here who've invited Christ to come into our heart and save us have been assigned the responsibility to witness and to share Christ with someone who does not know him. Are y'all listening to me today? And so, so, uh, but, but in particularly, Paul here writes because they were, they were questioning his right as an apostle. And, and, and what we see is in outline number one, in these first few verses, the right to be accepted as a minister. Paul had a right to be accepted as a minister, as well as not only Paul, but anyone else who calls a man uh, who walks in a calling upon their life, particularly the fivefold ministry calling. All right. But now the other part about it, 
Paul is going to say here when we get into these next few verses is he says, not only is my calling, should you accept me because of the calling, but I have borne fruit that proves that I really am genuine in my calling. See, if any minister who's worth his weight, who's worth his, who worth anything, ought to have some fruit to indicate that his calling is genuine. If you are a minister of the gospel, but you never led anybody to Christ, and man, you've been called to preach for 15 years, something is wrong. Are y'all listening to me today? The right to be accepted as a minister, but again, the right to be supported, we go into there. But again, it starts starts right quick with the fact that if, if you are called, there should be some evidence of your calling. There should be some fruit in your life. Everybody say, where is the fruit? How many of y'all remember that commercials back when Wendy's had way back? I mean, it had been in the 1980s. It, it, the, the, they had two old ladies who pulled up to the drive-through window, and they ordered a hamburger, and they had a big old bun, and a, and a piece of meat was about that big around. And the old ladies say, "Where's the beef?" And so, see, so, sometimes in our life as, as believers, I, I think God is asking us, "Where is the fruit? Where is the fruit of our labor? Who have we led to Christ?" If you are a minister, called fivefold ministry minister, then there should be some evidence that you are called, and that evidence is fruit. What am I talking about fruit? I mean, you should have led someone to Christ. You should have had someone who you can name to say that I have helped disciple this person and help bring them along in their Christian walk. So Paul here begins to, to talk in here, and he begins to, to give us some things that, that as a minister that he had a right to, even though with the Corinthian church, we're going to find out he chose not to. All right. So look, look with me. Let's go back to verse number seven right quick. All right. Paul is going to exert some rights here uh, dealing with the church, supporting the minister financially. Now, again, you guys and I, I'm not preaching this to you all because you all know this. At least the overwhelming majority of you all know how the responsibility of a, a church has to support their ministerial staff. OK, you all with me? This, I'm not preaching this to try to get a raise. I mean, you guys do a yeoman's job in supporting the work of the pastor. But I, I, I'm telling you, I talk to ministers all the time. And I, even when I was financing churches, when I was in banking, uh, there were many ministers who are suffering. Their families are suffering because the church doesn't understand this principle. All right. Watch what watch what Paul says here. He says one soldier has to pay his own expenses. I was was Brother Roger. Roger, you, you, Roger, you still in the Air Force, right? All right, and you and Robin uh, were stationed here. Uh, well, you were stationed. Robin came along with you to Boxdale, amen, Louisiana, to serve. You're still serving in the Air Force. Now, let me ask you something, Brother Roger. Have you been to other places? When you go to other places, does the Air Force move you? Do they pay your moving expenses? Does the Air Force deposit a check into your bank account bi-weekly or each, at least monthly, right? All right. So if, if, if the Air Force says, Roderick, we're going to send you to Germany next month, what are you going to do? You're going to get up and go, right? But guess what the Air Force is going to do? They're going to pay your way to Germany. And guess what the Air Force is going to continue to do? They're going to continue to put money into your account, right? Because no soldier goes to warfare. No soldier signs up and doesn't get paid. Well, come on, can we bring it a little bit closer to home? How many of y'all have jobs? How many of y'all are, are, are either uh, selling a product or producing a service or doing something uh, that, that, that's of value? All right. 
How many of y'all, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all would continue to go to work and then get paid? You may love what you do, but at some point in time, your family still got to eat. Can I get a witness? And so when you go to work, when you go to warfare, then, then you, you expect to get paid, right? Look at what Paul says. What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat of some of the fruit? And what shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? He gives, he supports his argument by, by letting them uh, see some tangible examples of what happens in the natural realm. A soldier has the right, the farmer has the right, uh, uh, the shepherd has the right uh, to, to partake of the fruit, uh, the, the product that comes uh, from their labor. So he keeps on going. Look at verse number eight. Let's read eight. It says, am I expressing merely a human opinion or does the law say the same thing? He says this in verse number nine. Let's go. For the law of Moses says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the, out the grain. Now watch this for a second. Oxen were used by farmers to plow the ground. And as the oxen plowed the ground, guys, it, it enabled the farmer to be able to plant the seed in good ground. And the seed would, would take root, germinate, and produce the fruit, the crop will come. So what, what would you look like starving the ox and say, well, ox, you plow, but I ain't going to feed you. What's going to happen to that ox after a period of time? He's going to get weak. He's going to fall dead, right? You got to feed the ox that plows the ground. And Paul uses that example. He says, really, God was not just talking about oxen there, but he's talking about, amen, how a church or how a ministry, when you receive spiritual enlightenment and someone speak truth in your life, you have a spiritual obligation to sow physically in that person's life. Y'all got me? All right, go to the next verse. Keep moving. So, so the first part is this chapter. He deals with the rights of a ministry. He, t- he talks about the fact that the, that the minister has the right to, to be accepted as a minister. He has the right to be supported. And then he goes on and, and, and shares some other things that, that we make, make, make sure that we are on point with because as a body of believers, we're going to make sure that we do it the right way. The, 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 the minister has the right to be the first person supported by the church. Let's read in, in, in number four, we say the right to make the judgment about receiving wages or not. Paul chose not to receive from the Corinthian church. You know why he chose not to? Because there were some folks in the Corinthian church, because remember, remember, remember the context, remember the Corinthian church, the Bible says they were spiritual babies. And spiritual babies don't understand uh, spiritual concepts. They, they, there were some in there, because of their lack of spiritual maturity, thought that it was wrong for Paul to even receive. And some had even accused Paul for preaching for the money. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever done it before? Have you ever said that all the preacher wants is my money? I need y'all to be honest in here. How many of y'all have had a wrong concept about supporting the ministerial work? Anybody? I know growing up, I didn't quite understand this concept until I got into the Bible and started reading. We have a responsibility, and Paul is what he's telling this Corinthian church is, is that 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 even though some of y'all are warped in your thinking, I'm teaching this not because. You know, I'm trying to get you to do this for me because you have a right to, but I've chosen not to receive from you because your mind is not right. Sometimes, even though you have a right to do something, if you're dealing with someone who's spiritually immature, don't do that thing because that spiritually immature person won't understand it. Are y'all still with me today? So let's keep moving. Uh, Let's get back, if you will, uh, to verse number, I think we left off at verse number, uh, verse number 11. Go to verse number 11 with me right quick. Hallelujah. Talking about 
the Corinthian church. What are some lessons that we can learn from the Corinthian church? First of all, we want to make sure as we look at this ninth chapter that if we are receiving support or encouragement spiritually, we ought to sow into the life of the person whom we're receiving spiritual encouragement and enlightenment from. If you listen to someone's radio broadcast or television program and it blesses you, it costs them money to be on television. So if you've been listening for 10 years, sow something to help them continue to pay for that airtime. Are you listening to me today? That's basically what, it, what he's saying here. If I sit there and listen and, 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 and day after day, week after week, month after month, but I never sow in to support the thing that's feeding me, then really I'm not in God's will. Are y'all tracking with me today? Look at verse number 11. Let's go. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? Look at the next verse. This is, this is Bible. If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? Now, look at this right quick. It wasn't that these Corinthian church people didn't understand the concept. It's just they had a problem with Paul. I personally believe they had a problem with Paul because Paul was very blunt. Paul told them the truth. And Paul didn't, Paul was not the kind of guy who would sugarcoat stuff. And how many of you know that that sometimes you need people in your life who will tell you just like it is? I mean, in love, but speak the truth. So Paul said this, if you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an either greater right to be supported? But we've never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than to be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. What is Paul saying here? Paul says, I know some of y'all's mind. You're thinking it's not right. I know some of y'all don't like the way that I've come down hard on you and shared with you some things that are truthful and right. And I know that some of y'all think that I'm, that I'm doing this because of financial gain. But so, so as a result, even though I have a right to receive, I'm not going to receive it because I don't want anybody to, to, to not be able to receive the gospel because they're looking at me crossways. That's what Paul says. Paul says, I don't want anybody here to not, I don't want to be an obstacle myself for the good news of Christ being preached and you being saved and growing in your faith. Keep reading. Verse, next verse, verse number 13. See, don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple and those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? Let's read it. Next verse. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. So we know that this is a, this is biblical to support the man and woman of God who's, who's, who's preaching to you, who's sharing with you uh, in, in a pastoral leadership role, okay? So that's what Paul is doing in an apostolic role. That's what Paul was dealing with right here. So uh, we, we, we have to make sure that we are uh, on point with that. Go to Galatians, the sixth chapter, right quick. Galatians 6 and 6. Are y'all still with me? Everybody said the Corinthian church had some problems. The Corinthian church needed to grow up. Say, I, as a born-again believer, need to grow up too. All right. Galatians 6 and 6. Watch this. Are y'all ready? Let's read together. It says, what? Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Read it one more time with me. It says what? Sharing all good 
things with them. The KJV says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Verse number seven, just for good measure. I like this one. Verse seven, y'all know this one. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what? What you plant. So we know that from scripture here, we, we, we have a responsibility to share with those who teach us. One more. Go to Philippians, the fourth chapter right quick. Philippians chapter four. Look at verse number 14. Just want to kind of drive home the point. And Paul is trying to let them know and understand that, guys, you have a responsibility. Even though I'm not receiving, I do have the right. But I like the wisdom that Paul showed him because Paul knew where they stood. And guys, what's that saying to us today? In our lives, sometimes, and we talked about this last Sunday, sometimes when we're dealing with a weaker brother or an immature uh, Christian, certain things an immature Christian cannot receive. Certain things an immature Christian is not ready to digest. So as a, as, as a mature believer, I need to have the wisdom to recognize that. So watch this. It says, Paul here again writing to the church at Philippi says what? Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Let's back up. I'm going to catch a few verses prior to that. Go, if you will, flip back with me to the 10th verse of that same passage of scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 10. Watch this. He says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Watch this. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now watch this. Here's something that we all got to learn. Paul said this. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. He didn't say satisfied, but to be content. What does, what does it mean to be content, y'all? To, 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 to be content means that I am settled. Uh, to be content means that I am at peace. To be content means that I'm not worrying. Even though I may be in a position or a state that I don't desire to, to, to stay in, but while I'm there, I'm still going to trust Jesus. Are y'all still with me? Too many believers find themselves in a position to where they get dissatisfied. They're discontent because of what they have or what they don't have. What I've learned to do is be grateful for what the Lord has blessed me with. Amen? I've learned how to be content. That means that that I'm not going to sit there and worry about what I don't have. I'm going to be content. I'm going to rest in Jesus with where I am on the way to where he's taking me to. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Verse 12, let's go. Y'all didn't go with me. See that? I took a drink of water and y'all sat there and watched. You guys are not very uh, accommodating this morning. Do you Guys, let me tell you something. Here's one reason why I like to read scripture out loud. Because the Bible does say death and life is where? In the power of the tongue and they that love it, eat the fruit thereof. Learn to read scripture out loud because words that are articulated have the ability to be deposited into our hearts. And when the word is deposited into our heart, it activates something on the inside of us. The word has the ability to carve out stuff that shouldn't be. So I want you to read with me. Just, just humor me just this one time, if you will. Okay. Verse number 12. Can we read together? Y'all ready? Let's read. Stop. How many of y'all know how to live on almost nothing? How many of y'all, if you had to go back to bologna sandwiches and rice and beans, you can make it? it, it I need somebody in the house. I mean, I'm, you, you don't, 
you don't necessarily want to go there, but if you have to. Come on now. If your check is not getting deposited Friday and you got $20, you better get some rice and beans. And here's the good part about it. Nobody has to know that you're eating rice and beans. You ain't got no meat, just, just rice and beans. And beans and rice. Say it any way you want to say it. Rice and beans, beans and rice. Once your stomach gets full, it don't know, it, it don't really care. You know, the, the taste, if it's full, it's what? Now, I don't, I don't know about anybody else, but I, 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 can, I can remember back when Maria and I, we, you know, I, my testimony ain't that we starved. We never, you can tell I hadn't starved, right? Uh, don't y'all laugh at that too hard. But we never starved. But, but my point is this, there have been times, guys, when things were tight. But guess what? You didn't know it. And it wasn't because of pride. It was because we, we trusted God. We always were tithers and givers of offerings. I remember when we first got out of school and I was the only one working. She was going to school and, and, and we were tr- you're trying to progress. And you know, when you're young, I was 22, she was 20. How many of y'all got married young? Uh, 22 and 20. And we were trying to find our way. And we were trying to find our way by making sure that we, when, when I took that very seriously, when the Bible said, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. If When I, le- when I left and cleft, they ain't worried, but just... Just go with me. If you would, just go with me. When I left and cleft, I didn't want to be going back to dad and mama trying to borrow money. There is something about, amen, the process of, of, of stepping out in, the, in agreement to God's word and doing the way God says do it. So, so I, I think I've told y'all, I think one time I've ever borrowed money from my dad and I paid that back. One time. That was, that was early on in our uh, marriage. One time. And we've been married how long now, baby? Yeah, 30. Don't look at me like that now. 34 years. Going on. It'd be 34 this year. Okay. So 34 years, one time. That was early on. So, so, so again, but during that time period, my point is this. During that time period, there was some lean, there was some lean period. There was, how many of y'all ever lived from paycheck? Do you not realize that, 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 that surveyors tell us that, well, up, up, upwards to 80% of Americans are living from paycheck to paycheck? That's, that's why when they, when they had this government shutdown, we got some of y'all in here who didn't, Tony, some of you others who, who didn't get paid during that government shutdown. And, 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 and the, come on, when, now when you're a billionaire on TV talking about, well, you know, people, you know, you, just, you go to the grocery store and tell the grocery store that, that you own, 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 own furlough. Brooks just don't want to hear that. I, I thought to myself, what, what world have you been living in where you can go to the grocery store and tell the grocery van that, you know, we're on furlough and I don't know if we're going to get paid, but just let me have these groceries. And I, they're going to tell you, get your ticket. Watch this, watch this, guys. But even if you're living from pay, 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 take the paycheck, learning how to trust God in that and learning how to to, 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 to still survive and learn how to, 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 to not be in a state of depression, you know, it, it calls for us to, to walk in faith. Now, again, as you're doing that, 
you ought to get to a point to where you evaluate your situation, make sure that you create a budget so that you can stay within your budget. And so if you have to eat rice and beans and beans and rice, eat rice and beans and beans and rice. <laughs> Nobody in the church has to know you have to come in looking like you. Oh, all I've had is rice and beans and bologna. Eat that bologna and get full. Hello? Watch what Paul says. Watch what Paul says. Watch this now. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Some of you have a problem when you, when you have more than rent money. Some of y'all go crazy. And here, here's, here, here's, the police don't get offended with this, but, but, but some, some people have a poverty mentality, especially when it comes to income tax return time. Can I talk to some of us in here? Some people use income tax refund as a savings and think they've really gotten something which you really hadn't gotten anything. All you've gotten is what the government took too much of. How many of y'all have heard this lie before? I'm going to pay you back when I get my... Yeah. And you're still waiting, aren't you? Because it ain't about the, the income tax return. It's about the integrity of the individual. Money will show you whether or not you got integrity or not. And how you handle money and whether or not you pay people will show your character. The Bible says the wicked borrow and don't repay. Now, all of us could run, could run to a snag or run to a tough period or get laid off, whatever. But, but when you are consistently having a pattern of, of being uh, irresponsible with your money, there's a character issue there. So don't wait on the income tax return, okay? That's, that's, not, that's not how you should do life, amen? Now, if you get one, it's cool, but, but don't, don't, don't ever put yourself in that position. Look what Paul says. I know how to live on almost nothing and with everything. Some people don't know how to handle when they get abundance. Case in point, I tell you this all the time, lottery winners. There are lottery winners who are broke now. Lottery winners who, are, who, who wish they never got the money because they didn't know how to handle all the people who will come at you when they find out you have some money. All right. So so he says, but Paul says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach with plenty or little. Can you still smile when you got little? I need somebody to help me. Can you still smile when you got plenty? Paul says, for I can do everything. I can live on little and I can live on much. I can do everything through Christ. Who gives me strength? Are y'all with me today? So, so again, so Paul, 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 Paul understood that he was content. He was, he was, he was, he was resting in Jesus. He was not satisfied, but he was content. There's a difference between being satisfied and content. Some folks get satisfied, uh, but content means content means that that I'm resting in Jesus. Satisfied means that 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 I, I, I got a little bit. That's all I want. No, no, you need to have more so you can bless somebody else. You need to have abundance so that when God taps you on the shoulder and says, send that brother that $100, he, he's in need of gas, or he, he needs food for his family, you can turn around and write the check and don't have to even sweat about it. And please don't write checks if you don't have the money to bank. That is, you guys, I, I, I'm, I'm an ex-banker. That is illegal. 
And we don't see as much of that nowadays with electronic transactions. But, but how many of y'all remember the days when you would write a check on Friday? Come on, knowing that the bank was closed and the Fed was closed over the weekend. I need some old school folk in here. And you didn't get paid to money, but to Monday, but you wrote that check on Friday. And it would call, it would float. Oh, I need somebody who know, who know how to make it. Who, I need somebody who's been there who know how to make that dollar stretch. You wrote that check over the weekend. Y'all don't, I know y'all don't want to tell me. I, I know you don't want to tell me, but I know you did it. Amen. Your money got to the bank on Monday, but you knew that over the weekend, come the banks are closed, the Fed is closed, we didn't have all these you know, electronic mediums the way we have now, and you will float that check. But you can't keep floating. Because if you keep floating, you're going to get caught. And it's something they call kiting. You know what kiting is? That is an illegal act that you can go to jail for. All right? So, so, but... But so we want to make sure that we put ourselves in a position to where we can grow and develop in our faith and in our economic p- position so that we can we can bless somebody else. God blesses us to be a blessing. Everybody say, God blesses me to be a blessing. All right. So let's keep moving. Here. Get, get back to first Corinthians, the ninth chapter. So we see Paul lays it out for him. And guys, I could teach uh, uh, another three weeks on this process, but I, I just want to. I want you to go back and read this because what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church is that I'm the one who's done the most for you. He says, if nobody else has the right to receive from you, I ought to have that right. If nobody else, amen, should, should receive, amen, grace and mercy, I ought to. As I said before, sometimes it can be a tough thing when people who you've done the most for turn against you quicker than, than people who you hadn't done anything for. Because usually people who, 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 who you're not in relationship with, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult for them to hurt you, but it's the folks who are close to you that end up hurting you. So here Paul had a relationship with them, yet and still there were many who were questioning his apostolic authority. Let's go to the next part. So, so, so we get, get down, skip down with me, uh, go to the 19th verse of this, of 1 Corinthians, the 9th chapter. So Paul says, I do have a right, even though I choose not to, because I don't want, I don't want to hinder the gospel from being preached. Amen. I don't want to, I don't want to cause I don't want anything to get in the way um, of of the gospel being spread. Amen. Now, look at verse number 19. It says, even though I am free from even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring men into Christ. Now, this, this next part of our line, evangelism is more effective when carried out with cultural sensitivity. What Paul is going to do here, and that's a fancy way of saying Paul, Paul is saying that in order to reach the Jew, I became as the Jew. There was one, I forgot who it was, and I don't know if it was Barnabas, one of his followers, who had a, a, a Jewish father and a Greek mother, I believe. He encouraged him to get circumcised. Why? Because he was going to minister to the Jews. And the Jews, amen, valued circumcision. Even though Paul and, and the Holy Spirit were saying that circumcision in and of itself Beyond the cross don't mean anything. In other words, physical circumcision. What God wants is our hearts to be circumcised. Are y'all with me? God is about us having, amen, uh, physical circumcision, not physical, but spiritual circumcision. Watch this, watch this. Evangelism is more effective when carried out with cultural sensitivity. Watch what Paul says. Let's let's go back to verse number 20 right quick. Come on, let's read. Are y'all still with me today? Come on, let's move. It says, well, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew, 
to bring the Jews to Christ. Watch what it says here. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. What he's saying is, is that some of their customs that they did, some of their holy days that they observed, some of their dress codes, and all these, some of their dietary restrictions, I chose to adhere to those so that I could get a, a, a relationship built with them so that I could teach them about Jesus Christ. Are y'all listening to me today? Now, this does not mean, hear me carefully, this does not mean that you go back and, and start drinking Mad Dog 4040. It was 2020, yeah. I doubled that thing. You can tell I wasn't a big Jared. Jared know about it. Jared corrected me. How many of y'all ever heard of Mad Dog 2020? See, all these old school folks. But watch this, watch this. This does not mean that I go back and start drinking with those homeboys in order to win them to Christ. What Paul is saying here is that there, there are some cultural nuances that I need to be aware of when I'm going to minister to somebody and to try to present Christ to them. He's not talking about getting into sin with them. He's talking about observing their cultural way of doing things. And guys, how many of you know different churches, different ethnic groups have different ways of, 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 of serving God from a worship standpoint? Different cultures have different things they observe. And so if I'm going to reach somebody, I ought to at least have the wisdom to be able to, to adjust how I'm going to approach them depending on the audience that I'm speaking to. Guys, let me tell you something. On Wednesday nights, they do it a little bit different than we do it over here on Sunday mornings. Right? If, 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 I'm, if I'm a youth minister, I can't, I'm going to lose the kids if I get up there and just read scripture and just hold my head down the whole time and have a classroom lecture. I'm going to lose them real quick. So if I'm speaking to youth, I got to change my approach. I don't change the gospel. The message remains the same, but the method has to be adapted. Are y'all listening to me today? And so knowing the culture, what you're going into is very important so that you can make sure that you have maximum kingdom impact. So Paul uh, became as a Jew to the Jews, that is, to those who were under the law, those who were still trying to hold on to Judaism, amen, and still trying to marry that with Christianity. Paul says there were some things I had to do in order to, to reach them. You know, if they, they came on a Saturday, I came on a Saturday. Huh? If they had certain dietary restrictions, I wouldn't eat certain things because uh, when I'm with them, I'm trying to reach them. So if I offend them, I can't reach them. Amen? Even though he had a right to eat whenever he wanted to eat, he chose not to eat it because he knew that where, they, where their mind was, they, were thought, they thought it was sin. When I was with the Jews, I lived a, a, like, like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I, I, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this. Why? So I could bring to Christ those who are what? Who are under the law. Watch the next verse. Come on, verse 21. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. What's he saying here? When I'm with the Gentiles who don't believe in circumcision or uh, so if, if I'm Christian or dedicating a child, I'm not going to insist that they be circumcised because Gentiles don't follow Jewish circumcision. 
If I'm with these Gentiles who want to eat some, throw down on some baby back ribs, I'm going to throw down those baby back ribs with those Gentiles. Are you following? All right. So, so he says, uh, I too live apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Next verse. Come on, let's read. It says what? When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. What is he talking about? Those who think that, I told you last week, those who think this sin, uh, who don't think it's, it's, it's biblical or spiritual for women to wear pants at church. If we go to a church that don't believe that women wear wearing pants, then women will do what? We'll wear dress. Not we, but you. <laughs> Can I clarify that, okay? I'm not wearing a dress. I mean, unless I'm in Scotland, I will. Uh, you want the kilt deals? Yeah, so if I'm in Scotland, I throw on a kilt. If throwing on a kilt allows me to reach somebody for Christ, I'll show off my calf muscles. You, you follow me? Are y'all following me? But, but all things being equal, no man got no business wearing a dress. Let me, let, me, let me get old school on you. You don't need to be wearing a dress, brother. Y'all with me? All right. So watch, watch this. Are y'all following Paul here? He says, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. See, many, many, many of you sitting here have trouble witnessing because you don't know how to find common ground. Maybe without sinning. Common ground means that, that, that I'm going to, I'm going to find something that, that, that I can, I can embrace and delve into in order to reach this person who I'm trying to reach for Christ. We should always have a mindset as Christians, uh, to, to look out for those and to, to, to try to build a relationship with people who don't know Christ. That's our responsibility. And what, here's what I'm afraid of, guys. I'm afraid that many of us have gotten too comfortable in our Christian walk. We're comfortable being saved and going to heaven, but we ain't worried about nobody else. And I told you when I started this message, every one of us in here have the ministry of reconciliation. God saved us and he left us here so that we could reach somebody else for Christ. And if if that never comes across your mind, then I'm going to tell you something that's not right. You can't be growing in faith and not think about ministering to people who are lost. And the church, the church as a whole will cease to grow and, and and, and, and researchers tell us all the time that people just don't flat out stop going to church. I mean, in other words, uh, the, the, the growth in a church attendance and church attendance don't necessarily mean that you're saved. But if you are saved, you'll be in church somewhere. So what is happening is, it's because many of our ministries and individual members of the church don't evangelize. We're not seeing growth. Many churches are depending on transfer growth. In other words, you were at this church, you already saved serving, and then you move to another church and start serving over here. That's cool if the Holy Spirit leads you, but, but true church growth, the kind that I want to see and what God wants to see is somebody accepting Christ as their personal Savior, getting in that baptismal pool and getting baptized, and then come in and being discipled. They're growing, they're working, they go out and reach somebody else. But we got to learn how to do that effectively. And one of the ways we do that, we got to do like Paul. Paul said, you know, I, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. Okay, I became as a Gentile in order to win them to Christ. 
He said, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. Okay, so Paul became weak to the weak Christians. Paul clearly states that his purpose for conforming to the customs and the opinions of men was this, that, that he, he went to the extreme when necessary in order to reach people for Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So sometimes you may have to go to an event that you don't want to go to. I mean, maybe it's something that you wouldn't do in the ordinary course of thing. But let's say, for instance, if you, if you got a buddy who loves to ride horses and go to rodeos. And maybe you, you had never went to a rodeo in your life. Maybe you ran from horses when you saw them. But this guy loves rodeos and, and he loves to go ride horses. So go get on a horse. I mean, you know, get with Carl first, Carl Jones. Let him show you how to ride it. But, but people who ride horses need Jesus too. Amen. So if, if, if I got a relationship that I'm building with someone or the reason for Christ, what's wrong with me learning how to ride a horse? So I can spend some time with this buddy so I can share Christ with him. That's basically what Paul was saying. Now, Paul, Paul, Paul talked about you know, some of the spiritual things that he did that didn't violate amen, the, the law. He had liberty to do it or not do it. There are some things he did just because he wanted to reach people for Christ. Amen. How, 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 how passionate are you about reaching others for Christ? Get that to the next part, okay? Are y'all still with me? So, uh, go to chapter 10 right quick. Right, first Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 1. So, the third part of our outline, we get into here, we, we're talking about the fact that um, um, believers must avoid all forms of idolatry. Watch what the text says here. Verse number 1, are y'all with me? Let's read. I don't want you to forget... Dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago, all of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground in the cloud and in the sea. All of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual water for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was what? Wait a minute, I thought Christ only came on the scene in the New Testament. See, Jesus always was, is, and always will be. Can I get a witness? He says, and that rock was who, Christ? Verse number five, let's read. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So, okay, uh, what's going on here? You know, you know, the warning example of Israel here, we're going to see Israel had five remarkable blessings and privileges as they journeyed to the promised land. And we're going to look at those in a second, but it says, yet God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Why? Look at verse number six. Read. These things happen as a warning to who? Us. Now watch this. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, but he's also writing to us. The Bible was not only written to the, the church at Corinth, but the Bible was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that we, as believers here today in the year 2019, have this very same scripture being told us. He says these things happen as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. What did they do? Look at this verse. Or worship idols as some of them did. Now watch this. Some of y'all say, well, Pastor, I've never worshipped an idol. Some of you idolize your jobs. Some of you idolize your kids. You made your kids idols. The kid that God blessed you with, you prayed for, now you made him an idol. 
You won't come to church. Your child don't want to come. What's up with that? You, you, you idolized. You, you needed a car and God bless you with the car, your dream. But now you, I, you the car, the car has become an idol. Somebody God God planted a, a, a stranger on the side of the highway, a stranger in the parking lot who needed a ride. But you wouldn't give him a ride because 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 they didn't you know quite look okay or or maybe it was somebody in your church who needed a ride and you knew they needed a ride you know them all right but you pretend like you had to go somewhere else so you couldn't you had to go somewhere before you go to church and you had to go somewhere after church so you you didn't want to give them a ride because your new car is 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 reserved just for you your your car has become an idol all right your home has become an idol hello the house that you prayed for and wanted God to bless you with, you made it an idol now. Listen, guys, God don't have a problem with having anything, but he don't want those things to have us. And things can become idols. Hello? Some people idolize money. In other words, you're not honest with God in the use of your, of your monetary resources that he blessed you with. Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, Two, three. And the first thing we'll say is, you know, I, I'm not giving that church all of my money. Well, the church ain't asked for all your money. God asked you to give a tithe and an offering. So next time you, the offering comes around, or if you give it online, which we love online giving too, that's cool. You can, you can do it online. Some of y'all love the ease of online giving, but in the ease of online giving, the tithe is still the tithe. Isn't it amazing how 10% work if you're writing a check? Or if you're going online to do it online, it's the same percentage, a dime out of every dollar. But if you made money, your idol, you can't, you won't do that. Amen. Y'all listen to me. Watch this. Watch this. Keep it. Or worship idols, as some of them did. As the scripture say, the people celebrated. Watch this now, all you feasters and drinkers. The people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan reverie. Watch what they were doing. Look at verse number eight. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did. They were having drunken orgies. If you don't know what an orgy is, you'll need to find out. <laughs> just leave it alone. Just, just leave it alone. But there's stuff that's trending nowadays. And, and, and people have gotten... People have gotten... Uh, so seduced into where even in Hollywood and television shows, I don't know if y'all notice on television shows now, even on network television, they, they've made the thing that God has declared to be unrighteous, trying to make it normal now. And the way you do that is you continue to put something before people's eyes and it becomes, you become desensitized to it. Huh? You, you become desensitized to it. And so now Hollywood makes us become desensitized to even violence. Uh, same-sex attraction, you become desensitized. It's, it's nothing to see that written into a script right away so that now it becomes implanted in your mind and you forget about what God's word says. He says, and we must not engage in sexual immorality. Some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. It says, nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. We're not going to handle snakes in worship service, but some 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 churches do that. That'd be a quick way to run all of y'all out here, wouldn't it? 
We're going to handle some rattlesnakes on Sunday and Craig going to lead us. <laughs> I'm not going to let a snake bite me. Now, if a snake bites me, and, you know, not, not because I'm, I'm saying bite me and watch the Lord heal me. That's the same thing as saying, I'm going to jump in front of this Mack truck that's coming down Highway 3, driving 75 miles an hour, and the Lord's going to protect me. How many of you are just tipping God? That truck will flatten me, and y'all be having my funeral up in this place. Watch this. Next, come on, let's read. Move. I got to move. I got to move. And don't grumble. Come on, as some of them did. Any grumbles in the house? Any murmurs and complaints? You know God hates murmuring and complaining. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. Watch this now. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. We live at the end of the age. Come on, verse 12. Let's go. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to what? Not to fall. Not to fall. Let's, come on. Let's, I got to move. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So don't give me this, man, it was just too strong, man, it was just, dude, come on, man, you, you, you see how fine she was? Man, I just, I just, I just couldn't help it. Yes, you can. There, there ain't nothing new under the sun. It's just packaged different. Have you, have you read about Sodom and Gomorrah? Why do you think that what we're doing today is just, oh, just so God awful? It's, it's, it's God awful, but it's been God awful for a long time. Go back and check out Sodom and Gomorrah. Man, they ain't doing nothing that we're not doing today. He says the temptations in your life are no different than from what others experience. Well, you don't know, Pastor. You don't, you're not married to who I'm married to. Somebody, somebody is married to somebody like you. Or like that person you're married to. And, and, and God has helped them to get through, through by doing it God's way. I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, if you learn how to do marriage, do life, do work the way God's word said it, God will see you through. But you cannot ignore God and expect to get victory from his word. Watch this, watch this, and I'm closing on this. I'm closing on this. God is faithful. Watch this. Everybody say, he's faithful. See, I'm not faithful. You're not faithful, but God is. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. I thank God for that. So what that tells me is I don't care what comes my way. It's not so strong that I can't handle it. I mean, with God's help, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, watch this. He will show you a way out so that you can endure. He will show you a way out so that you can do what you can endure. So whatever you're facing, whatever is is trying to pull you down, Whatever temptation is dragging you, don't ever think that you're the only one that's dealt with that. Don't ever think that you don't have the capacity and the spiritual wherewithal to overcome that. Because God God is so faithful, he's not going to put anything on you that you can't walk away from. And there are times, guys, you got to just walk away. You got to walk away and say, listen, nah, nah, I I can't go there. Uh, God has been too good to me. And this, 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 this momentary pleasure is not worth the pain in the heart that's going to come later on. Because it is going to come. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. But guys, when that season is up, it'll, it'll run you ragged. 
Can it, can it, am I the only one that can testify to say that sin will run you ragged when you get into it? All right. You think that, OK, this is what I got to do. But then you're going to forget all about that when the when the when the when the uh, the repercussions of sin begins to rack your life. God loves every last one of us in here. And Paul, as he writes here, he encourages these believers, avoid idolatry. Know that uh, any form of idolatry, anything that becomes an idol, get rid of it. Know that God will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able. Know also that God said, support the man and woman of God. God also said that, that as born again believers, as a church, we got to make sure that we uh, 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 put ourselves in a position where we are evangelizing and being sensitive to those who we're going to try to reach with the gospel. Amen. Uh, amen. Become as a Jew in order to win a Jew. Become as a Gentile in order to win a Gentile. In other words, put yourself in a position where you can comfortably get on common ground with those who you're trying to reach. Amen. And there is something that you can get on common ground with. Amen. Come on, get a Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.